Hey, welcome to RushCast. I'm Jay Mantis. Thank you for downloading and listening to our show. We're here every Monday, every single week, uh, for a while now. We've been weekly since, I think, August, and it's been going really well. And we're growing, too, and I love that. Keep, keep sending me feedback, please, and contributing to the conversation. Glad you're here. Um, we, we're developing a little bit of a theme, which is cool. We're developing the theme of, you know, you listen to Rushcast when you want to hear from other people who like those albums you've never been able to geek out about. Um, people are, are talking to me and saying, I listen to your show because this is the only time I can talk about counterparts and no one ever talks about Roll the Bones as an album uh, or those albums don't get any love and things like that, but we're going to spread some love to some of the albums that I admit I don't talk about as much, like the older 70s stuff. I I don't I haven't said a lot of great things about moving pictures, but I do love moving pictures, so I'll be talking about every album in in detail during our 2016 album series. And if you don't if you've been listening, you know what that is, but if you don't know, we're going to bring on a fan of Rushcast to do an entire episode episode with me about one album. So in 2016, the first Monday of 2016, we're going to start with the debut album. Then the next week, we're going to do Fly By Night and, and so on, all the way through, including the solo albums, including feedback, um, back to back to back. So I'm looking for, if you're listening and you think you're an expert on one album then contact me and kind of give me your audition. Tell me why you're an expert on that album. I'm specifically looking, if I can, I'm look looking to have somebody that was around for the release of the album. Somebody who can tell me what it was like and what the perception of Fly By Night was when it was released. What was it like? How did people like it? Um, what? Tell me about the artwork. Tell me everything you can. The song order, the recording quality everything you can tell me about that album because we're going to talk about only that album for an entire episode if you think you can do that send me an email to rushcast at 2112 at gmail.com uh, they're filling up really fast but i do have um some slots open specifically the 90s and the super early stuff there are there are a lot of really popular albums on here that still that I thought would fill up immediately that are still uh, up for grabs. So I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, today is Thanksgiving weekend for me, and I guess for you, if you are in the U.S. So I'm upstate. I'm out of New York City for this week. And I figured if I'm going to do an episode at my parents' place, I should have one of my parents on. In fact, my mom was like, you know what? You never asked me to go on Rushcast. And I said, do you want to come on Rushcast? And she's like, no, but it would it would be a comical episode for sure. Because she doesn't know a ton of Rush stuff. So please welcome, the for whatever reason, the most highly sought-after Rushcast guest and most highly requested Rushcast guest, Dad. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Mantis. <laughs> or you, for our French Canadian friends, Jay Montis. <laughs> so, just like last time you were on and everybody commented on your introduction, um, you have a funky introduction for this one, too. <laughs> How long have you been planning that one? I just thought of it now while you were <laughs> babbling over there. Yeah. Uh, people liked you last time you were out. They're like, Your dad's really funny. I'm like, What? Well, I'm not. I'm not funny. <laughs> well, tell him to tell my wife. Yeah, that's the first thing you said to me. Yeah, did you tell your mom that they say that? Um, I want to say hi to Mr. Ian Tompkins, who's from the UK and recently emailed me. And anytime I get, um, especially a new listener who responds to the show from somewhere vastly farther away than you know somewhere in new york state i want to just give a shout out to that Some person other than scatacoke Sca- right <laughs> that's even a little different than new york state or new york city so uh, i've been meaning to tell this story on the air and i keep forgetting 
I go to a school outside of New York City, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of foreign students there. This uh, I go to school, and I have class with a drummer named Juan. He's from Ecuador, and it was so amusing to me to listen to Juan, who has like incredible knowledge in the jazz drumming world and jazz anything world. Like, he's like an encyclopedia. Uh, but he mentioned how he had like a brief metal phase. So I asked him, we're like sitting, like waiting for a waiting in line for a hamburger one day around lunch, and I was like, "What do you, uh, what do you think of Neil Peart?" And he, I, I'm not gonna try to do his like Ecuador sounding <laughs> accent, but if you can imagine that kind of Spanish twist on it, um, listening to him talk about counterparts, he's like, "Oh man, you know, I I was really into uh, what was that '90s album." Uh, I guess I am going to try to do that accent. <laughs> um, Just pretend you're Ricky Ricardo. Lucy, you got some Neil Peart to do. I'm going to... No, maybe you're... somebody listening will knows, knows what that right is. Right over your head. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but out of every album he could have chosen, he was like, oh, yeah, like the first thing he said was Counterparts. He didn't even know what the title was. He's like, it was like a blue, it had like a screw. I'm like, yeah, man, Counterparts, I got you. He goes, what? There were, they had that this awesome instrumental. Uh... He goes, it was so... Something it was about like, his thing. Huh? Something about his thing. Something about his thing. <laughs> He's like, leave that thing alone. He got it in the first try. Uh, it was just weird because I don't know anyone else from Ecuador who listens to Rush, um, but... Well, all those Rio guys pretty much That's true, them. yeah. That's not that far away. Uh, the... Um, the big thing for me was like when you approach someone, you're like, "Hey, you! Oh, you like Rush? You expect to hear a few songs or albums. You don't expect them to be like, oh yeah, leave that thing alone off of Counterparts. It's a great, you know, <laughs> that's a great tune.' But I, uh, he was like, "Yeah, the bass, and it was just cool to hear him geek out on something that wasn't Thad Jones <laughs> or Stan Getz or Tom Sawyer, right? <laughs> uh, hey, you know who ta- uh, Stan Getz is now? I see." Yeah, a lot of <laughs> listeners knew a lot more than I did, and I'm. I didn't know you jazz. didn't know that, or I would have told you that. You knew that he was oh, associated I was, with. Yeah. I mean, I knew he was a jazzer. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he kind of made "Girl from Ipanema" right, famous. Right, right, And uh, I didn't realize he, he thought he just made up a name and threw it out. At me. I didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> Probably, if I just if I heard Rio in, uh, like two thousand six. Then, until it probably took until 2014 until I realized what he was saying. I just mm-hmm. didn't know. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know what. Uh, I often thought he said, and a night stand gets. Like, th- those are random words. <laughs> it's not, you know. Um, but we've got it figured out now. It's Is great he- because people, people send me emails and they're like, oh, here's, you know, they fill in the holes. They're like, here's what you're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, let's, speaking of which, um, last week, Jason Vaughn sent me a clip that I failed to put in the episode. I heard it halfway through the week. I listened to the episode and was like, oh, I didn't even implant his uh, audio. But Jason was like, have you ever noticed that in Xanadu, the tuning is funky? And I have, especially a long time ago when I was like learning bass and trying to play along with it. It doesn't quite match the key that it's in, which is E. Um, and I have a theory about that. And that's that the... You're trying to match the chime. Yeah, like, you can't tune chimes. So I think they were like, well, to make this sound better, let's just raise it all up a little bit. Some people said, like, maybe it's something with the compression. They heard that it was a compression issue, trying to fit it on the album or something. Mm. But uh, Daryl Hurst sent me a tweet. We're at uh, Rushcast2112, by the way. And he said he totally buys my Xanadu theory. He's like, I think you nailed it. And he said he heard, he's been listening to R40, and he goes, when I heard Xanadu on R40, the first thing I thought was, Those, that's not in tune. Hmm. Those, that, that's not right. Yeah. Um, and you know they're not like making some weird quarter tone tuning in a live setting. Right. Um, but I need, to, I need to do more research on that and really figure out what's happening there. The compression idea, though, you got to remember this is... In the analog days, so if they sped something up or slowed it down, you're gonna mess with the pitch a little bit. So then, that is a possibility. It's possible. It's not like the digital world where they could change, you know, speeds and tempos without affecting pitch. And 
you know, they slowed that tape down a little bit, and it, they were, you know. Yeah. So. Um, That's a technical term, by the way. <laughs> Can you define that? Yeah, by adjustment of pitch in a gradual process, instead of going, you know, you go, right. And in speeding up the pitch, I'm just wasting your time here. On <laughs> I, I, I hope that becomes like a staple in Rush, like terminology among rush fans they're like oh you know the er of this song it'll be right up there with blah 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 <laughs> yeah people will know what it means <laughs> uh, patrick McAllister sends sent me an email and he essentially said hey why does super con- superconductor get no love and you're you're the person perfect person to have on because i know you'll support this uh he's he you know he said i i really enjoy that tune and he wanted to hear my opinion on it my opinion is it is also a great tune while it is a l- dorky is a great adjective, I think, for that song, I still love it. And I've never, I never once heard it and went, ugh, for mm. even a second. I was like, oh, this is, this is upbeat. It's, it's in seven, which is a big deal because it, on one of the poppiest records that Rush ever produced, it is maybe the poppiest on that record, mm-hmm. um, meaning the most radio friendly, the most kind of, uh, it could have been played on top forty, top radio. forty stuff, right? It is still in seven, so a la everything else Rush did on the radio, weird right. time signatures, or most of it. Uh, this is in seven. I think what makes it the most top forty is that it modulates like two or three times yeah, at the yeah, end. Yeah. Like the let's just move it up a step, you know? <laughs> we had, we've ran out of words, so let's just keep the melody changing. <laughs> like listen to that song and think about Getty singing it. Watches every move, and then the next time it comes around, watches every move, and then goes up again. You know, it's uh, my, my favorite part is that that instrumental section there that really doesn't do a lot. Oh, it's keyboards, which probably upsets a lot of people, but it's like a it's like a it's cool very, down. It's a, yeah, but it's it's like this really not quite ethereal melodic pads on the keyboard but it's but the, the the pads on the keyboard are the event there they almost have the melody right the yeah. bass drums and i don't know if the i don't know if the guitar is doing anything at that point but uh the the, the pads kind of have the melody they're the event that's happening and then the <clears throat> the fill comes back and speaking of fills think about the beginning of the song <laughs> that's that that's the fill <laughs> and then they're into the tune yeah right right dorky <laughs> Hey guys, I got a really cool fill for this. It's a cowbell. <laughs> One hit on a cowbell. Hey, we mentioned, seeing how we're talking about Presto stuff, um, my comment about the funk song that Rush wrote, which is from that album. Rush's funk song for, um, uh, Scars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? I'm listening to that, you know, because I've been listening to some funk tunes, like the old, old school stuff, and, uh, and that comes on, yeah, it's it's keyboard based, but it's got that funk drive that every funk song has. As long as your head can like nod and and on the quarter notes, it it, it fits a funk, and, and you could just uh, almost fit it into that category until Getty starts singing. It doesn't really sound that funky, mm-hmm. but you know, the atmosphere f- changes make them <laughs> sensitive again. <laughs> I'll I'll say this like scars. I'm gonna was, make a funk arrangement of that song. <laughs> you you could easily do that. Uh, Scars was like on the lower end. I, I probably ranked ranked last. I almost said ranked last. <laughs> uh, ranked at the bottom end of the spectrum for the Presto tunes for me for a long time until like a few weeks ago, and I listened to Presto and Bones a lot, and I really had a new appreciation, mostly because my listeners are like, "Dude, Scars rocks," and mm. and you've been saying that. Uh, Scar's sister song, which would be, do you know what I always say Scar's sister song is? Much like Mystic Rhythms and High Water. You know. Uh, Neurotica on the next album. Oh, they, yeah. They're like very similar songs for me. And I, I really didn't give them much attention for a long time. Uh, but I think they're, they're both actually really nice tunes. Yeah, and who's your friend there was busting on My the friend Paul. Right? You know, that's he wasn't the- busting. Wait, wait, the lyrics? Uh, neurotica, erotica. Yeah, he just thought it was yeah. funny. <laughs> That's the only combination of words in that entire song that you could make fun of. Every other lyric in there is are very well thought yes. out and well delivered. <laughs> right. Typical Th- Neil. This reminds me of dog years right, that we you go. brought up. Like it's actually very Instead detailed. Of, no, there's just like this weird melody for a hook. <laughs> <I know>. um, 
Yeah, Paul. Um, Paul's like a, a drummer of mine from my last school. A drummer of mine. A friend of mine who was a drummer. And he... He's one of these people who like knew of Rush. He didn't really care for Neil's playing or whatever because mm-hmm. he's a jazz drummer and knew the the stuff that people know, the radio stuff. Right, yeah. So he's like, oh, yeah, I know Tom Sawyer. I know Spear of the Radio. And then Neurotica. <laughs> one of these things isn't like the other. Uh, you know, so I guess I get why he was a little weirded out. explain why that is? Why what? Where that song came from in his repertoire? Like, yeah, yeah. He was hanging out with a friend who was a much bigger Rush fan. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, I was hanging out with Alex, and he started playing this song. I go, who is this? He goes, it's Rush. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> He'd always see me in the hall, and he'd go, Neretica, Heretica. <laughs> started making up words. <laughs> uh, no, Presto's really cool. You're, did you ever finish your remaster? Yeah, I'm or, still working on it. How many songs do you have done? Uh, two. <laughs> So you're trying to clean them up a little bit. I'm re... Well, I'm using a method that's probably never been used before, and I'm taking the track, splitting it up three or four ways, and re-EQing each track so that in this track it brings out the bass more, and this track brings out the guitar more, and this track brings out the vocals or whatever, keyboards, and, and then remixing them individually, you know, as, like, I obviously can't go out and say, hey, Getty, redo the bass part for me. So, um, um, in Have the you one... tried? Can you say that for sure? Well, you know, he hasn't answered my calls. So, well, <laughs> Yeah, mine either. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably busy. You know, although he's relaxing from the tour now. He's got time. But right. anyway. I still think he's in hiding because of the Blue Jays. Oh, I don't blame him. I think he's just crying in his basement all night. That's true. Or, you, know, you know, since since the end of the... So anyway, hopefully eventually I'll find some more time to actually finish that project, which I think maybe the first first one I think came out pretty good. Yeah, I think I played a little bit of it here. Yeah. And it sounded nice. I like messing around with things and, and re uh, readjusting stuff that Yeah, you always say EQ goes a long way. It does. You know, like you don't need you don't need fancy effects, you don't need fancy strings for a lot of the times with a guitar or bass, you just need to EQ it properly. I learned that a long time ago, a buddy of mine, my friend Luke he, uh, he, you know, we were always hung around musicians, somebody who could play something. And then there was Luke, who could play the stereo really well. <laughs> and uh, so, but he really got into it. He he was an audiophile way back, and, and he had purchased this 30-channel, or, yeah, 30-channel EQ for his stereo system. And it was a waste, in my opinion, a waste of money, because all he had to do was go into his regular bass and treble knobs and turn down the bass because that's all he ever did <laughs> yeah you always told me he hated the bass oh yeah, yeah i said let me play with that for a second and i would get it to sound so beautiful because he had 30 freaking very <laughs> beautiful to... for you the bass player oh yeah yeah well <laughs> you know i'm i'm a bass player but you have to have a full sound you can't presto is a perfect example <laughs> way too thin i yeah. mean the whole you know that's really what i'm trying to you know what's interesting repair. is we may have not we may not have had a true glimpse of what that wall bass could sound like. Although, maybe on Power Windows and Hold Your Fire, which I believe were recorded with the wall bass, mm. um, are better examples of that tone. But if you're just taking Presto and Roll the Bones, you know, if, I, if I'm somebody who made a bass for Getty Lee, if I'm making wall basses and I hear Presto, I'm like, oh, that's not a very good representation of, yeah. or any of the equipment on Presto. If I listen to that album, go, oh, that's... The drums uh, sounded pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing Rush for a friend who knew I was like a weirdly hardcore fan in community college. I drove him home uh, in a blizzard one day. And he's like, let me hear Rush. I said, do you want to hear like the Rush people like, or do you want to hear the Rush that I listen to? <laughs> and he said, he's like, yeah, let me hear the like the deep stuff. And I played some like some vault tunes from various albums like Test and Presto. And I remember with Roll the Bones and Presto in particular, he said one of the songs gets over, and he goes, well, I know there's, I know one thing I don't like. I think he was like a weird, he was a weird dude, but he was like, uh, there's too much echo on the voice. Or he's like, there's echo on the voice. So you get, he like he sings a word and you hear like a little bit of delay mm. and like echo is the word that non-musicians always throw on <laughs> delay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely dripping in studio dressing. If that's Ooh. a thing. It's studio dressing is what I put on my salad usually. A great sandwich need not be dressed. 
is when I die, I hope that's the one quote people take away from my life. We'll put that on your uh, my, yeah. I think it's I think it's very wise and important. If you make a sandwich correctly, it does not need dressing. A great sand, but you have to say a great sandwich need not be dressed. They might think you're just not putting bread on it. I love naked sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. I'm just telling you, if you get the meat to vegetable ratio correct. That's true. Subway's a good example of that because you can tell them exactly what you want on it. You know, first thing you say is, stop throwing all that iceberg lettuce on there. <laughs> right. The filler lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, here's some really crunchy water. <laughs> uh, spinach. Spinach every time on my sandwich. Oh, yeah. If you're mm-hmm. listening and you think this, we're going somewhere rush-wise, you're wrong. You're in for well this is no this is our <laughs> example of like in the russian rio cd or video behind the scenes stuff where getty and alex were constantly talking about how great the soup was <laughs> the soup. There, there's a connection there see <laughs> that that soup comment reminds me of um the end of the documentary where the, the documentary where they're like uh what's your you know What's your motivation for playing? And Alex like just waits one second and goes, Chicks. <laughs> it's like the same sort of vibe. Um, last week, Dad, I asked everybody. Actually, this this is weirdly convenient that you're here today because the digital discussion from last week um, grew out of the seed you threw at me, which was the, the fact that Dog Years kind of belongs to its own trilogy. That's right. You could label these three songs as a trilogy. Like the time trilogy. What what were they? Uh, I was reading through a lot of the Rush lyrics online, just kind of... Well, I was looking for things for something later we'll talk about, but um, I discovered three songs that all have the same theme theme of time passing too quickly or aging or something of that matter. And the first one was I Think I'm Going Bald. Another song which you suggest... Um, is not just silly lyrics, throwaway lyrics. Absolutely not. Like dog years. If you get past the first couple, uh, I'm losing my hair, and then you start reading that second verse, I mean, it's... There are other things going on. If I go on something else, will that screw this up? Potentially. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's, it's very deep, all about time passing too quick and worrying about getting old, and I actually read a thing where the they were talking... Uh, Getty Lee was talking about that lyrics, and he was saying how we were worried about that when we were way too young and had no business worrying about that kind of thing. <laughs> and and uh, Neil wrote this, came up with this, you know, song about it. And so but it, it also leads me to wonder even more. Okay, if it isn't a throwaway song, then why haven't you played it? Or at least a li- I would just I would settle for a teaser at the end of a concert, especially now that they're now going bald. They <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and uh, there's that one, which and then leads into obviously time stands still, which is pretty obviously themed about time passing too quickly and wanting it to slow down a bit. And then third one is dog ears, which uh, if you look at the lyrics, it is all about references to time going by too quickly. And a dog's life goes one year is like seven, and and for us it feels that way. You know. Yeah, like, and my thing about Dog Years is the lyrics don't get enough credit. The lyrics are very nice. Mm-hmm. I will I will graciously accept your, you if your comment if you say, okay, well, the melody's poorly executed, or, or even just I don't like the music. I don't think, I think without the melody, without Getty singing, mm-hmm. I would really, I would like the song. Well, you know, there's two things I want to point out. First, I, do, I do like the song. I would like it more. Yeah. Well, like, there's... The lyrics are great. Like the line, people look too serious. Okay. Okay. It's a play on words. People look too serious because they're serious going through their life. But also, it's spelled S I R I U S. The star, serious, which is the quote, dog star. So people look up too serious. You know, it's play, words like that or lines like that, I think, are great. Virtually every line is like a double entendre. Right. Yeah. And there's, um, there was a couple other ones in there which I can't think of off the top of my head, but but musically, you know, it's going back and forth between two chords through a lot of it. 
And there's a lot of Rush songs that do that. There's a lot of songs where their 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 chord progression at times is relatively simple. Yeah, the, super, the verses in Superconductor are two chords. Oh yeah, what was the song? <laughs> down. Oh, I was listening to a. Uh, please, please sing it on my show. Down, 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 It's from Hold Your Fire, and I can't think of the name of the damn song. Oh, that's the middle of the song. Second nature. Yeah, that's the middle of the song. Yeah, but, yeah. but the whole thing is like, it's not even varying from chord to chord. It's it's staying in one chord through the whole thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, I, I would argue that what you just sang was one of the most beautiful moments in their catalog. You know, why didn't they play that with the string section on stage with them? Yeah, I know. You know? Anyway. I, the balance between the, the bass synth, the synth pedals, or what, what, uh, how do I say that? The, uh, the bass pedals. The bass, the bass pedals is what they say. The balance between the bass pedals and the guitar the mm-hmm. is like, is it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Um. So I asked the audience, "What other trilogies are there?" And I knew they were there, but I, I, you gave me the idea just before I recorded. I didn't have time to a lot of time to think about it. So I said, "Well, there's a red trilogy." Red Barchetta, Red Lenses, Red Tide, but that's that's like scratching the surface. Yeah, that's, that's like kind of just entitled. That, that's very primitive. Yeah. <laughs> um. And people dug deep. It was it was really cool. We got a lot of feedback. So here here we go. Um, Rush trilogies. Kurt Storm says the disaffected youth trilogy, which is mm-hmm. subdivisions, Middletown Dreams, and the Pass. And you'll yep. see a theme among these entries. They call them different things, and one or two song may change, but a lot of them kind of piggyback on that idea. You can almost throw Tom Sawyer in there too. He, I like how he called them the dis, called it the disaffected youth trilogy because that's like a much more detailed title than <laughs> yeah. a lot of other people. Uh, he also Kurt Storm also had the love trilogy, which is needs some love, Entre New and Ghost of a Chance. Mm-hmm. Jason Vaughn has an audio clip, and I will play it this time, Jason. I promise. Hey Jay, digital discussion, Rush trilogies. All right, let's see. I have for the body trilogy, the body electric, leave that thing alone. And where's my thing? You seem to be talking a lot about things. I'll let your audience decide what that thing is. Uh, number two, the uh, hand trilogy. Hand over fist. Closer to the heart. Kid gloves, all dealing with hands. Uh, you put your hand on your heart. You put gloves on your hands. Hand over fist. So that's that. Uh, the head trilogy. Face up. Bravest face. Headlong flight. Obviously, your face is on your head. Hence the head trilogy. And the final one, the big, tr- big trilogy. The Big Wheel, Big Money, and Force 10. Force 10 because it's based on the Buford scale for wind speed, and 10 would be the highest. Or you could go with the Big Dance, but that's off of Victor, so that's a little uh, obscure there. All right, that's all I got. Thanks, Jay. A Victor reference. That's that's a rarity. Uh, (laughs) First of all, number one, congratulations, Jason, for finally reaching your destination. Jason always does his audio recordings uh, whilst... Hitchhiking. <laughs> He's finally made it cross country. Or it was a nice day and the weather, you know, the wind was a little calmer or something. <laughs> right, you just couldn't hear it. There were no birds in the area to tweet. Uh, the head trilogy and the big trilogy, that's kind of like my red trilogy in the within the names, not mm-hmm. so much the theme. That's a cool idea. Uh, David Trevino says uh, there's an atheist trilogy mm-hmm. with free will. Brought up to believe and faithless, not exactly in that order. <laughs> I just realized I wrote them down incorrectly. Um, but I mentioned to him, also you could throw in Ghost of a Chance, right? I don't believe in this, yeah, I don't yep. believe in that, I don't yep. believe in this. Uh, and then Josh uh, Sylvie said the same three tunes for the Atheist Trilogy, he called it the same thing as well, and said you could add Sweet Miracle. I don't know, I'm not... I don't know about the lyrics in Sweet Miracle well enough to comment on that. I know they sing Swing Low Sweet Chariot at the end, but... That, and that's, no, that's... Um, you sure? That's Totem. I th- uh, no, 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 it's not. Sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, at the end of uh, Totem. Um, angels and demons dancing in my head, lunatics and monsters underneath my bed. He repeats that. And then says, sweet, sweet chariot, swing low. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. I forgive you. 
don't come on my podcast and say things that aren't true. <laughs> hey, it was still a rush lyric. They can't hear your frown. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to all the rush <laughs> listeners out there. I, I would love, I'd love to do a segment. Jer, uh, Jay's dad. <laughs> Jay's dad sings Rush songs. That's, I love it because I know when you, as a listener, and somebody does that, you're 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 guessing. You want to be the first. You want to guess the tune before the host guests guesses I give, it. I give him a sample. Yeah. Each of us, sound What are the words there? I lost that one. I don't know. <laughs> Each of us, a cell of awareness. Imperfect and incomplete. There you go. Good. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have got that. Genetic blends with uncertain ends on a fortune hunt that is far too fleet. Yeah, I would, especially the last part, I would not have gotten that. Oh, sorry. I just don't know the lyrics. Does that, that make well. up for my other score? I guess so. You, okay. The score is one to one. <laughs> uh, Nick, look, I don't know how to say this kid's last name. I always call him Nick L. Uh, Nick Lolich. Nick will tell me if I said that correctly. He says there's a suburbs podcast, or a suburbs podcast, a suburbs trilogy. Obviously, subdivisions, mm-hmm. Middletown dreams in the mm-hmm. past. That looks a lot like the disaffected youth. In fact, it's identical. Jeff Garrett uh, gave us a few of them. He said there's a boy girl trilogy, or boy chases girl, or however you want to put it. Analog kid, war paint, mm-hmm. and virtuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like how at the end of that trilogy they're instant messaging each other via yeah. their modems. But I'll defend uh, yeah, virtuality. Yeah, not in that time frame. <laughs> What's that? They weren't in. Well, yeah, AOL. They were instant messaging. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff also said that there's a delusion with government trilogy. Mm. It's a it's a mouthful. Tom Sawyer's in there. And this the the, uh, the names are a mouthful as well. Beneath, between, behind. A farewell to kings mm. and second nature. Do you remember the Glenn Beck second nature thing? Refresh my memory. Uh, you were watching Glenn Beck or something, his old show, and somebody called in and read the lyrics to Second Nature on the show. Read like the first few the first few stanzas, mm-hmm. and then Glenn like didn't talk about it. <laughs> I think I do remember. I that. remember you saying like, yeah, they called it like Russia's second nature is such a good example of you know what needs to be done or whatever and, mm-hmm. and read it and i remember you said i thought yeah that's exactly right you know and then like i can't wait to see what glenn's gonna say about it and then he just like shook it off and didn't meant didn't talk about it at that was all a long time ago man no i mean <laughs> that's a deep cut man yeah. for that to be on tv in any capacity i remember that uh jeff also has the <laughs> here we go this gets this is where jeff's trying to stir the pot a little bit uh the Misfit trilogy, Misfit Rush songs. I think I'm going bald. Tyshan, or Tyshan, and Dog Ears. And then he goes one step further and says the worst Rush song trilogy. He is, he's not treading thin ice. He's he's already drowning. <laughs> uh, lock and key. Oh yeah. Stop. Stick it out. <laughs> oh come on. And one little victory. <laughs> I know you hate lock. I know you hate that he has lock and key on there because it's your favorite favorite well, album. I think all three of those songs are good songs. What's he saying? Yeah, I, I think he's a little tongue in cheek here. But Jeff is a definitely the most eccentric Rush fan I've ever run into because he doesn't like uh, he doesn't favor the riffier stuff. He doesn't. The closer Rush gets to metal, the more most people enjoy it. I'll uh, Clockwork Angels, right? Yeah, riff based stuff. The key of E, pentatonic. And, uh, like, the closer it gets to the more melodic stuff on Hold Your Fire, the better he likes it. I thought you were going to say heart there for a second. Closer to the heart? (laughs) You're saying the closer it gets to the... uh... Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's weird. I mean, weird. Uh, He talked to me about how he defended Tai Shan, and he likes the the things like Second Nature. So, Mm. um, you know, not surprising to me if you know Jeff Garrett. David Sharp says there's a space trilogy with the older stuff, and there's a bunch of them you can use. There's not necessarily a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Twenty one twelve, Cygnus, mm-hmm. Countdown with the shuttle, mm-hmm. Vapor Trails, closer to space, and Earthshine. Yeah. He also says there's a Hollywood trilogy. 
Anagram for Mongo. Do you know that reference? It's um, from... It's a Blazing Saddles reference. Oh, yes, yes. But I don't know what that is. Mongo, I was a character, I believe, in yep. Blazing Saddles. Uh, which was Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He says Superconductor had Hollywood references on in the stage videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when they played it live, also losing it, and you could throw a limelight in there as well. Losing it in terms of like an artist star, striving, yeah. you know. Aaron Sibley says the Manly Man trilogy, <laughs> <laughs> Working Man, Cinderella Man, New World Man, and Part Four of the Manly Man trilogy, <laughs> Digital Man. Yeah, I was. I had a kind of running joke to myself about if Rush couldn't think of a title for his song, they said. Let's come up with some kind of man. <laughs> yeah, that'd be... Some, who, like, look at the term Cinderella man. I mean, who would put those two words together? Well, that's, I mean... a, that's another thing, isn't it? That's not like Rush solely. Cinderella man was like a movie or a play or something. Well, Cinderella was. No, Cinderella man is a movie, I think. Oh, an old one. Yeah, 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 I think so. Somebody, Somebody's listening and they know what... We're trying to figure out. Mm. We sound like the morons. Yeah. And Josh DeSilvi says the history the history trilogy is Bastille Day, A Farewell of the Kings, and Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. You can also put uh, uh, the, uh, the Space Shuttle song. Countdown. Countdown. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, just, just sing it. Don't, you, too many like, Rush songs being thrown at me. I can't I know. throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> I can see sparks coming out of your ears <laughs> through the headphones. Um, just sing them. Like, you're not good with titles, but you're great with <laughs> melodies. See, that one would be... Da, 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 da. So you're not going to go... Well, that would be later in the song. This is a great episode. Just uh, the two of us <laughs> weirdly singing through uh, Rush songs. The, some weird Rush songs. Josh also mentions a love... Tr- uh, I almost said trio. A love... Trilogy. Trilogy. Ghost of a Chance, Cold Fire, and Halo Effect to throw Clockwork Angels some love. Mm-hmm. And the Science Trilogy, Natural Science, mm-hmm. Chemistry, and Countdown. Yeah. You agree? Oh, the first two, definitely. And, you know, the science of space travel. It's definitely... Uh... I talk about periphery a lot on the podcast because that's what I listen to most right now. Um... As long as none of my jazz professors are listening to this podcast, I can mm. say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to worry about it. I like this prog metal band a lot. And um, they're touring Europe right now. I follow them on Twitter. They're called Periphery. They all got dinner the other night. I don't even know what country it was in. Somewhere in Europe. And they took up, they like Instagrammed a picture of the menu, which just said 2112 restaurant. And it had the same, the 2112 was the same font as the the cover. Were the waiters all naked? <laughs> They're all naked, man, <laughs> who walk backwards. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the, carrying trays with stars on them. In the, in the formation that the guy has his hands like one way higher. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't, I tweeted at the guys, was like, hello, like what, is this a Rush themed restaurant and none of them really acknowledged none of them said anything but i'm trying to get that band to acknowledge rush because i know you know they'll they'll admit dream theater was a big influence and dream theater came from rush mm. so i want to hear one of them once say like oh yeah i used to i listened you know how, how'd you get good at guitar i listened to whatever i listened to permanent waves mm. a million times and learned how to play those songs <laughs> you gonna mention the the thing you saw online with your name and uh oh totally yeah 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 well i, I just want to say that paul uh sorry scott sorry this is like an, an italian thing you tell me how to say this at the top there paul scott sorry s-c-o-z-z-a-r-i first of all you're saying it wrong because you're not you're not you i'm not yelling your, you don't have your hands <laughs> up and shaking hey paul scazzari uh, sure. Yeah, that's what it is. It is Italian, is it not? Looks like it to me. Okay. Paul Scazzari. 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 Yeah, there you go. There. <laughs> that's a quick Italian lesson on the podcast. Paul Scazzari says, uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. Um, 
He mentioned, hey, there's a check this out. It's just a link to uh, Tom Sawyer Diner. He probably said, check this out. What are some... I, I don't want to do a full digital discussion on it, but what's like some Rush-themed... Obviously, we got like Bubba's. But what, what are some restaurants we can name? Are there any Rush songs that are foods? Does Rush mention any foods in any songs? Uh, um, it's got to be something somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. Okay, so I I searched Jay Mantis online just for the heck of it. I Googled my name. And the first thing that comes up is a YouTube account for Jay Mantis spelled the same way. And it's not mine. Because like, I don't have... I don't have a YouTube account under Jay Mantis or Rushcast. So the first thing it says, and I tweeted this, you can see it on Twitter. Uh, the first thing comes up, Jay Mantis on YouTube. And then it says how many views he has. And in that instant that I searched my name, he had 2112 views. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And it's true. He showed it to me. He didn't make that up. And like you think I photoshopped it? Go look, go do it yourself. Do that search, and you'll see that he's got somewhere around twenty one hundred views. Like twenty one thirteen now. <laughs> uh, James Millsap uh, brought up Test for Echo, and I've often said Test for Echo is the most neglected Rush album by fans, by the band, by. Media. I wasn't around when it was released, so I think if I were, yeah, I would have a different, you know, I would have seen it get some love. But regardless, I was not around, and I did, I've never seen it get any love. Uh, he says, essentially, Test for Echo isn't the most neglected album by the band, and that Neil's actually really proud of the drumming that he recorded after his time studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's his email. I want to read part of it. Which part do I want to read? Well, I was around and I didn't even know it existed for a few years. After. Yeah, is that weird to you that like you were around for most of or all of these Rush albums and it was happening and you were unaware of it? Yeah, I had a lot of different things going on at that point. Getting married, having kids. What about in the 70s and 80s before you got married and having kids? Oh, I was more aware of what was going on with them then. Do you like remember a Rush release and th- and remember like oh yeah Rush's new album coming out today that's cool I'm completely uninterested. Well, I didn't know I didn't know the release date of any albums back then, but I do remember when Moving Pictures came out. I was in eleventh grade. I was very much aware of it. Uh, before that, you know, maybe not so much the album releases, but definitely the song releases that were being played. There was a lot of them back then. But by the time you got up into the 90s and, you know, crap, I think unless you lived in Canada, you barely heard a, ra- a, ru- a new Rush song on the radio. It was kind of depressing, actually. Uh, so here's James Millsap talking about Test for Echo. He says, one other bit of, uh, one other thing that I am inclined to, inc- inclined to consider favorably, although it requires a significant amount of very liberal use of inferential reasoning. This is a juicy email, man. <laughs> is that Test for Echo is not disfavored by the band, but actually is an album they liked quite a bit. Recall that a decade ago, they included Driven on back-to-back live recordings, and it featured Getty being able to completely indulge himself with a bass solo. As well, they recorded uh, Resist acoustically on the R30 tour. Listening to Work, which is work in progress, you will, or, or I'm sorry, listening to work, you will get the very strong sense via Neil's telling that the band put a lot of effort into making Test for Echo a modernized version of something more like Hemispheres in terms of song complexity and different melodic structures and tonalities. I don't think it's accidental that Time and Motion contains a sprinkling of elements that are reminiscent of songs like Cygnus, La Via Strangiato, and even Jacob's Ladder. I'm convinced that after Hold Your Fire, there was an effort, one that played out throughout the rest of their career, to gravitate back towards a guitar-oriented three-piece, and that after Roll the Bones, there was a ter- determination to revisit song structures more akin to the classical period pieces like Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Spirit of Radio, Free Will, and The Trees. I think they were very pleased with the results on test, as individual musicians, as songwriters, and in terms of production and sound. And as I mentioned once before, if you were ever able to pick up a copy of a work in progress, it's a great thing to listen to. Uh, a lot of them sound a lot 
a much more powerful sounding. If you like Driven, Test for Echo, or Time in Motion, these songs all boom on this disc. Even songs like Resist and Half the World Take on a New Life. What is the disc he's talking about? It's called Work. And I'm, I'm unfamiliar, or a work in progress, and I think those are maybe two different things. Uh, but people talk about it a lot. I've, I saw it on YouTube a long time ago, and then just kind of like shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, yeah, hey, okay, I saw that. Something live, or what is it? It's Neil going through, I believe it's Neil going through um, his new technique and the new stuff on Test for Echo. Oh, kinda, it's kind of a documentary type thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like all those other instructional DVDs that mm. he puts out. But this one is especially cool because it's uh, it's fresh off of his news thing. And, and like James points out in another part of his email, Neil, you can really see that Neil is digging what he did on Test for Echo. You can also, and this explains why on YouTube you can easily find Neil doing a playthrough on songs like Totem. Mm-hmm. He plays right along to the recording. It's because he was just really excited about the drumming on that record. Uh, he points out that like the reason they don't play that stuff anymore is because obviously it's like just reminds them of a really crappy time. Yeah. He said it's it's the same way with Chain Lightning. That's why they haven't played that live. I said, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "Chain Lightning." I he goes, "I think it was written about Neil's deceased daughter and like um like a moment that they shared together or something, which I mm-hmm. did, I didn't know, or maybe he's speculating." But it's a good point, I think. Maybe maybe the band's just like, you know what? Eh, we're going to leave that stuff alone. But that's what they said about Vapor Trails, too. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think what they said actually was, we're going to leave that thing alone. Very very nicely done. Can you sing that? Now we just got to get you singing in the right key. It'll be perfect. Uh, you know, some of us ain't perfect with the pitch, dude. <laughs> hey, one thing James did error on his email, though. I don't know if you caught that. But. I caught a few, and I tried to correct them as we were going. There's no acoustic version of Driven, but that's what he said. <laughs> well, the acoustic version of Resist was on uh, Russian Rio, not R30. But I think it was on both. Well, originally it was on Russian Rio. The first one, you mean? I, yeah, yeah. I, but I think both, like it was back-to-back records or uh, live recordings they played that on. Oh, okay. Um, then we'll let them go. The acoustic Driven, though, if he's got a recording of that, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, that would be neat. <laughs> He's going to go back and reread his email and go, crap. <laughs> Certain songs I can't hear being done acoustically, and other songs you say, oh, yeah, that would be great. So I was going to wait to mention this, but you just brought it up. Uh, somebody sent me a tweet and said, hey, check this out. I think it was Dylan, actually, uh, who's been on the show. Or maybe not. Uh, he said, check this out, because everybody's given Available Light a ton of love. And I, I'm, I'm like, it's not going to work. It wouldn't work on stage. It wouldn't work. And everyone says, yes, it will. Yes, it will. I've changed my mind big time on that. Mm. When a dude on YouTube who a listener sent me plays in on his acoustic guitar and sings it. Oh, yeah. And holy crap, it sounds amazing acoustic. And I could totally hear Getty and Alex just playing it on acoustic guitars and singing it. I, I could see him doing it the way they did it in the studio, doing it live. And having it be good. I mean, if they can do songs like The Pass and Bravado on stage, that's why true. Why yeah, not? I'm I'm admittedly turning a corner here and and kind of changing my mind on available mm-hmm. light being played live. Yeah. I want to get this guy on the show. I I sent him a message on YouTube, which is like a weird thing. That's the only way I get a hold of him. I want him to come on the show and talk about like why did you put a cover of Available Light on YouTube. That's very rare. There's like a band playing the color of right too. Mm. Like those, that's a big deal to me. You know, if you go cover Free Will, I don't. I really don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. I re- I, there's not, a million. You may not really be a Rush fan, but if you're coming out with these other ones, right? I want to hear <laughs> what he likes about the song and how he arranged it as well. It's always better. Live arrangements can always be better than fade outs. Uh, <laughs> nice. One more thing, and I'll let you get to your thing. Josh DeSilvi wrote me an email, a, a large email, and said, essentially, everyone has a bias for the music they liked as teenagers. And this is his like kind of theory. Then they are challenged by new information, a la, or, you know, in essence, albums, new albums. Mm-hmm. And some people recoil instead of opening opening their minds. You can either back down and say, no, my the old stuff is the best. Yeah, their new stuff sucks. Yeah. 
which we hear about every band all uh, the time. Yep. And that's a great point. And there's actually science behind it. A music theory professor of mine once uh, told us about how it is scientifically proven that when you're a teenager, and this isn't groundbreaking, but <laughs> you the music you're listening to then you are connecting with on a, a level that you will never attain again. So it will, it will, you'll always like that music is what he said. Mm. So that's a good point. Like, you know, I think for me, I consumed every Rush album, all 20 of them in my teenage years. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's why I, I label myself as someone who likes all of it. But uh, I think it's a good point in that you have to come in with an open mind and say, yeah, I like the, my favorite albums. I like them because I listened to them as a teenager. So you're mm-hmm. talking about fade outs. And I often talk about how there are a few travesties in the Rush catalog, songs that were faded out that absolutely should not have been faded out. There's one big one. I think Spindrift is another good example. While the fade out yeah. might be cool, you can hear the ending I of know. the song. It's like, it's so like, why did they bother? If you're gonna let me hear the ending, let me hear it at full <laughs> volume. <laughs> yeah, that there was, are a few. There's got to be a reason for that one. Um, Marathon is another one, mm. right? Uh, yeah, because Mar- they came yeah, up yeah, with yeah. a great ending in. Concert. And that's what I was gonna say. In concert, they come up with really cool endings for these songs that usually fade out. Right. Uh, Ghost of a Chance is a cool example because when they played it on Snakes, it, it obviously fades out. They almost did a fade out. Like, there's a few times where they try to make the fade out happen live. Mm. Alex put this, puts this nice thin arpeggio right at the end of the tune. So there is an ending, but they did kind of fade that out. Uh, the Trees is another one that they sort of fade out. Yeah. Red Barchetta. Uh, so the number one, the big guy, the the big travesty <laughs> is Mission. Why are we fading that song out? The be- it, and it's so great live. The solo, I think, is one of Alex's, I wouldn't say best solos, but most melodic solos. It's one of the, it's probably the solo that I enjoy the most. Um, On the song you enjoy the most? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that's part of the reason why I like the song so much. But it, it's just a, such a crescendo to the song that, that it builds up to his solo and then it just they just make it disappear. Right. So for me, I always think that the 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 guitar solo in music, but especially Rush's stuff, feels like the king. So literally, like a person, a king, mm-hmm. um, in like this sort of oh, in in this society where there is a king, this sort of monarchy, you have to fight through all these different levels of government and and bodyguards in this very like cartoonish kind of thing in my brain working up and up and up to the guitar solo earthshine is my favorite example of this when you hear the guitar solo in earthshine it feels like you finally see the king you finally met the guy mm. does that make sense yeah it could also be kind of like you're you're climbing a mountain and you finally reach the yes pinnacle. yes yes you work and you work and you work and you finally get to see the view from the top of that right, mountain yep. up the seven thousand stairs yeah and <laughs> good for me yeah <laughs> uh so on mission it feels like you work and you work and you work and the solo's at the end of the song not the middle hmm. and you finally get to see it and then there's right. like some like clown some jester comes out and like has this huge smile on his face and pulls this curtain slowly. And, and like, yeah, you like that? But what's even worse? <laughs> you don't get to see this. But what's even worse about it, not only is the guitar solo crescendoing and going nuts, so are the drums. The drums, he's going, as it's fading and disappearing, he's going crazy. And yeah, it's like, yeah. I want to hear that. <laughs> Getty goes crazy on the end of Red Lenses and they fade that out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's too bad there's not a way to correct that. It's too bad, man. But I bet if we snap our fingers, it'll all be better. Yeah, yeah. This is getting weird. Just play your thing.
So you took, you took you, the first. <laughs> this, I got home and you're like, come listen to this. And first of all, it's very good. Nice job. It was better Thank than you. I thought it was going to be. Uh, so I listened to Mission and I thought, all right, he's going to do something with his new version that he just figured out that existed. This, this, there's in in case people miss that there was a version Jared was sent. Jay Mantis was sent. <laughs> it's all good. Everything's going to be fine. Jay, is, there's a longer version of Jay that sometimes slips out of my mouth. But anyway, uh, you talked about having a recording or they originally wanted horns on that. And so this someone out in the listening world sent him a version that was from a box set, I believe, that had this additional instrumental part in the background, which actually were strings more than horns. And I fell in love with it. I think it just it doesn't overpower what they already did, but it's it. I think it enhances it more. It sounds like something you would have added with your synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. I, I like agree. I knew you would love it. Yeah. So uh, I used that version, and then I also used the uh, version from Exit Stage Left. Is that the one? No, show of, it, it was, show of hands. It didn't exist. Show, yeah, right. Yeah, so. I get those two confused every time. <laughs> show of hands. Because it was right around the same time they did the studio recording and his voice was very similar. So. Yeah. Uh, and I listened to it and I, 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 forgot, I had forgotten you were talking about trying to make something like this. So mm-hmm. I, I was expecting it to fade out. And at the moment where it starts to fade out and it didn't, I was like, oh, I see. So he, just reco- he must have just countered by turning the volume up. You know, the levels increase. Right. And then the solo kept moving and I thought, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh it's a very good transition, and I, I remember when you first brought it up to me months ago, you or you know a month ago or whatever, yeah. you said, yeah, I'm just going to put the live version at the end. I said, yeah, but there's going to be crowd noise, and you went, nah, not, on, not on a show of hands. <laughs> you were right. There's no crowd noise, so it made end, that yeah. so easy. And the other thing that made it easy, and again, you got I lo- this is what I love about Neil. He, all of his parts, it remind me of... Uh, what Tony Banks did with Genesis and all of his keyboard, he never had keyboard solos. They were all instrumental sections that he had written out note for note. And that's exactly what Neil does through every part of his song. It's like, so when he gets to that end where I said he's going crazy, he's note for note exactly what he did on the studio cut. So I matching that up was simple. You know? <laughs> it's like it was great. Yeah, back then he was an improvising a lick. I mean, he didn't have to, I and mean, what he was playing sounded like. Plus, the song was brand new. Yeah, right, he probably right. still loved. You know, he wasn't yeah. bored of it yet. <laughs> Not that they're bored of Mission. Yeah, they play it on so many tours. They're so bored of it. <laughs> but anyway, so so I think you did the song justice, and you also re EQ'd it, correct? Slightly. So uh, if you want to f- hear the full version. And you want to hear, because I do believe it's even better, like Hold Your Fire is great quality, I think. Mm. But it's a little clearer and it's a little bassier and it's enjoyable. If you want the full version, I'll just send it to you. Send me an email and say, I want to hear your dad's uh, cut, edit thing of Mission. And I'll, we'll just send it to you because we, we want people to hear it. Yeah. When, you, when you make a podcast... At no charge, by the way. Yeah, when you make a podcast this large, it's... Um, it's a big file, and to, in order to make it sound good and make it fit on the internet, you have to compress it. So the the voices you're hearing now isn't they're not true to what our voices really sound like. There's a little bit of a difference, and the same is with songs. So if those slight differences my dad made to the song will not be evident in in, in yeah. the podcast. In person, I sound like James Earl Jones. Jay, <laughs> <laughs> Jay, I am your father. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in that case, I want to sound like Alex in a fat suit. <laughs> Alex's fat suit voices. The last person who what's he say? <laughs> the last person who grabbed my sausage was an idiot. <laughs> I just like there's some uh, really cool pictures of Alex like getting into a fat suit that I saw. I don't know if a listener sent it to me or if I just found it on a listener did send it to me but i saw it over a week ago and i don't remember who it was or where to find it if you're listening send it to me again and i'll share them some really cool pictures of alex like getting into that fat suit and like (laughs) it takes a lot oh yeah Uh, (laughs) cool so do you want to mention that thing that you're working on and maybe we'll do a digital discussion or do you want to yeah i can mention it okay you know seeing how jay over there is only 
almost 24 years old. Uh, a lot of older expressions or sayings or references to things go over his head a little bit. And I catch a lot of what Rush has put into their lyrics. And For example, when uh, years ago when I was like, hey, look, that sign says the more that things change, the more they stay the same. That's awesome that they have a Rush quote <laughs> up on that door. And I would re- respond, you know, Rush didn't come up with that, right? <laughs> so well, many there's a lot of that. And so I started thinking about it. And so I started going through all the lyrics, album by album, and jotting them down. And what I call is direct references or modified references, where, where they've kind of made a play on words type of thing, where they've taken a saying and slightly varied it to fit whatever the context of the song is or they blatantly dead on just put it in there and uh, i'm up to like three pages of notes now and Jeez. i'm still not and i'm only up to uh so, test for echo are you doing it chronologically yeah yeah I'm just uh, going what do you listen to the album and, or no the lyrics, I, or i'm just going on the, looking up the lyrics online i found a really good website that has them all that has out. lyrics yeah wow it's, yeah no. that's hard to find that's on the internet i'm telling you <laughs> And uh, so I'm just uh, reading them and, uh, oh, there's one, jot it down, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm going to have to type it up for you because it's my chicken scratch. Nobody can read. Well, so. what are you planning to do? Are you going to just have... I'm just going to give you the whole list and say, here you go. And then have you look it over and say, wow. And you can either post it somehow or or you can ask people when yeah, they Yeah, I mean, I'll just read them because if, especially if there's a bunch that I didn't know about. Like recently we, I asked, we were like throwing trivia at each other because we're, we're doing a, we're currently in the works like my dad and i and our correspondent chad are developing some rush questions for a rush trivia tournament that we're going to do after the album series and we're getting the questions together so we were bouncing ideas off each other and and uh i asked you uh, what song does getty lee mention do the lyrics mention a dodge like a car mm-hmm. and, it was, and you knew what it was yeah war- you said you said mirror black, mirror in the black, black mirror, mirror. <laughs> which is incorrect. <laughs> that would be incorrect in the Rush Cash trivia game. Another moment where you caught me not thinking straight, and you know, I knew war that. paint. Right. But then you said because he says a, a, a charger in the garage. But the line before that, he says, uh, "His uh, polishing his armor, and the charger in the garage." And I let you know that well, polishing his armor is reference to a knight in shining armor. And the Charger was the horse that they rode when they were jousting each other. So, in reference to... There's, that's what I can put entendre. to my list. Yeah, like charger. dog ears. Exactly. And so the Charger... But I said, the, but he's polishing his Charger. That sounds like a car to me. And it's in the garage. Right, well, yeah. The double, it's both he, of those it's things. It's both. Yeah. The Charger is a reference to the night. Yep. And also polishing the Charger, not Charger, in the garage. Very cool. So we're going to, uh, you know, brush up on your trivia because once we get done with Clockwork Angels on this uh, 2016 album series, I'm going to be asking you to enter the, the trivia the trivia contest we're going to have. I have yet to name it, but we've got we to gotta develop more questions here. They'll be different than other Rush trivia games, I hope. I don't like when I, you know, when there's a Rush trivia game, I'm like, oh, I, I'll win that. And then they say, mm-hmm. you know. Who co-produced Fly By Night for the first three weeks of... I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It'll be hopefully music things and lyric things. Right. And uh, album thing, album artwork and things like that. Hmm. Uh, I'm really excited for that. I can't wait. Cool. Well, Mr. John Greek O, thank you very much for coming on the show. Before we end, I'd like to make a rebuttal. <laughs> Are you going to call out, Kevin? I am. Oh my god. Producer Kevin. My impression of Producer Kevin. <laughs> Hi Jay. Yeah. I know nothing about Rush. <laughs> that's that's that could not be further from Kevin Dillon's <laughs> voice. I didn't say I could do it. He didn't do my voice very well either, so you know. You know he didn't. <laughs> but in his defense, you weren't even using your voice <laughs> when he made fun of you. Yeah, that's true. Is this going to be a battle between you back no, and forth on each time you're on the show? <laughs> Only if he keeps making fun of me. Well, I, I hope you're glad that you got the dog ears bit in there because you've been. I do. You you called me angrily and you were like, 
I want to do a whole show on dog years. You know, like angry <laughs> Italian guy. You do that bit very well. Well, I want to do a whole show defending dog years. I just gotten done listening to your podcast where somebody again trashed it, and I was like, <laughs> you know, come on, enough of this crap. <laughs> yeah, Paul Scott, Paul Scottsari, Paul Scottsari. Hey, what's the matter for you? So what's the matter for you, Paul? Paul Scott, like Paul Scottsari. Let me tell you about the dog years. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping now. <laughs> Brought to you no, by, I didn't say it. Brought to you by Knickerbocker. Dog years. <laughs> That's nice.